Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Long Podcast brought to you by Hamburg Brewing Company. Jim, they've got the beer flowing like wine over there. Working a little Just Saying Myself right now, Volume 1, IPA 7.5. The Citra hits you very smooth. You can't go wrong with everything there. What, what, what have you been drinking these days from Hamburg? Still Hoptimonium, still Lakeview, always day drinking if I can. Um, still always tastes a little bit better when the sun's out, especially yeah. if you're sitting outside, Tyler. You're making me jealous right now. I like it. Well, I'm outside because we've got the uh, the 14-day-old inside and the 22-month-old inside. So mom's got a lot on her plate right now. Gina's the rock star of this podcast while uh, dad's on the deck drinking beer talking about football. So, um I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. Uh, you know, when uh, Sean Payton used to tell us uh, New Orleans, when he first started working in Philadelphia with the Eagles, he was like the quality control, I believe, or the quarterback coach. John Gruden, I think, was the OC. But they were together all the time. Gruden and Coach Payton were tight. And they started back in Philly. And Coach Payton was just so excited. And he explained to us that he got the job in Philly out of nowhere. Like, it kind of, like, was a quick transition. I think, I forget, I think he was at a college, but he got the call. So they left, they go to Philly, but at the same time that he got his job with Philly, they were having their first child. So of course he's there. He's at the, you know, he said he's at the vet. And this is back when they played the vet nonstop, right? That's what you do as a coach. You're there all day, all night. But he said, it started to get to the point where he said, sometimes they would get home early. He said he would walk through the door and his wife was tossing <laughs> their their newborn in the air to him. He said her much, but he, he said she would throw it, throw her or him. I forget, but he said she was not happy. I was like, yeah, I, I could see that. Was it like a, a a Donovan McNabb at Syracuse option toss, like yes. one of these kind of? That's how I pictured it. Too. Yeah, a, little, yeah. a couple, you know, rotations. Yeah. And she Hopefully. wasn't keeping it. Yeah, she wasn't keeping it. <laughs> Hopefully with a better completion percentage than, than McNabb had throughout his career. <laughs> All right, a great man. quarterback, not a high completion percentage guy, not a high completion percentage guy. I can't guy. believe you did that. You found a way. Right out of the Still shoe, that, Matt Fairburn making Eagle. his presence known. I like it. And there's the first clip you got to put on Twitter, Tyler, to all the Eagles fans who probably do agree with Matt. Hey, I'm a fan of Donovan McNabb. He, he was a good quarterback. Uh but he loved to he loved to push it downfield. He didn't he didn't go for the high percentage throw all the time. He was uh he was a guy that liked to sling it. Maybe puking in a Super Bowl here and there too. Sorry, Jim. Who am I? I was gone by the, I was out there. You were gone. Okay, that's right. That's right. Well, welcome, Matt Fairburn. Uh, good to see you down there. We we were talking a little Bills, talking a little AFC East today. So we figured we bring in the best beat writer that there is covering the team. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. How's life, brother? Oh, it's excellent. Um, people might hear a little screaming newborn action uh, coming from this end as well. So apologies if that seeps through the walls here, but life is good. It's it's tiring, but it's good. Matt, you have, you know, I've been curious to read everybody's, you know, training camp reports. It's, you know, I'm always amazed by how people can make a lot of, you know, we did our pod, you know, Tyler and I talked about Trey Lance uh, last week with 49ers and we're pretty sure I I'm, went right over to the casino to bet him for MVP. Um, it sounds like, it sounds like the Bills should be in cruise control in this division after what I've been reading. So Zach Wilson's officially a bust from what I'm reading from the Jets. Tua, not hearing good things, very average. And the Patriots don't know who's going to win the job. So, I mean, this should be a pretty easy division for the Bills. Yeah, if you if you 
read the tea leaves in August, and that's what what they'll tell you. But Mac Jones did just switch from number fifty to number ten. The Patriots are finally giving Big. him some respect, so maybe Big. they're ready to Big. maybe they're ready to call him a quarterback after all. And and you know I, they they loaded up this year, so the Patriots are still kind of lurking. The Bills have looked good though. Um, it's always hard this time of year to separate fact from fiction and figure out if your eyes are tricking you and, and what all is going on in training camp. Josh Allen has looked better in this camp than he has in any other camp, which should be expected at this point. It's, it's a different thing for me, covering a Bills training camp with an unquestioned starter at quarterback an unquestioned franchise quarterback, a guy with the big contract, and he's looking the part. He's got someone around him. It, it, it's a great place to be a quarterback. It's a great place to be the franchise guy because Brian Dable's back. They're you know stacking uh, new concepts on top of what they already had, and they throw Emmanuel Sanders into an offense that already had Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley. The running game is what it is. It, it's you know not anything special but man does he have a ton of weapons to throw to and and he's willing to try things that a lot of quarterbacks can't even think about doing so it is it's an entertaining group to watch you know matt um when you i was thinking about their receivers a lot lately and what i love what they've done with their receiving core is and throw mckenzie in there as well Besides Davis, who's a Davis is a little bit bigger, so the bigger guys are never going to be great route runners. Those other guys are all incredible route runners who catch the football. That is such a value to have when you're mixing guys in personnel groupings because you're going to constantly get mismatches because these guys can get in and out of breaks and get open on their own, and that's a hard thing to do. And I really think the Bills have done a nice job of putting that group together where they're all interchangeable. They, they are a nightmare. That receiving core is big time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to Ken Dorsey about this the other day. Josh Allen is a quarterback who you, you hear about guys like Tom Brady and, you know, other veteran quarterbacks who it certainly worked out for them, but they're Tom takes a lot of guys because he needs them to be right on their spot. And he needs to trust that they're going to be right on a spot because he's going to hit them. Josh Allen doesn't operate like that. He's okay if you're a couple yards off or if you need to break off early to get open and play a little backyard football. And he's got guys that like to do that. Stephon Diggs can do it. Like you said, they're quick. And especially when they're allowed to freelance a little bit, they can get open and they can do their thing. Cole Beasley's excellent at reading defenses and being one step ahead. And he's naturally quick, physically quick, but he's met, he's probably quicker mentally, uh, you know, staying ahead of the defense. And I like, Emmanuel Sanders and what he can do to make this look different, right? You know, that's a challenge when you're you're Brian Dable and you're a team that's put up the type of points that the Bills did. Finding a way to be a little bit different, a little bit, you know, uh, of a give teams a different look. I talked to June Jones right after the Bills signed Emmanuel Sanders. He coached him and Cole Beasley at SMU at the same time, and he said the money maker is going to be when those two are in the slot at the same time. And you couldn't put John Brown in the slot. That wasn't really an option. So now having Sanders who can play on the boundary, do a little bit of what John Brown did, then you can move him inside, throw Davis on the outside, and you have a four wide receiver set that I just don't know how you match up against it consistently for four quarters. The Bills are going to be able to get theirs in the passing game, provided the offensive line in front of Josh Allen can hold up. That's probably the only question about this passing game. All right, so with, with this contract to Josh Allen, um, Super Bowl's the bar. Beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is the expectation. Like, they, they can put up 30, 35 points on any team in the regular season, win the division, but it's about Kansas City. It's about the playoffs. I mean, the last time we saw the Bills passing game didn't look that great. I mean, even that Baltimore game, they, they scored 10 points. So we had Jeff Schwartz on, right, Jim? And he was talking about how the Chiefs blitzed his front side. That gave Josh Allen a lot of trouble in terms of that, in terms of what we might have seen in the playoffs. Anything change? Like, how do you think they're maybe attacking that playoff moment right now in training camp? Because you have one of those coveted spots to watch practice, Matt. You know, um, never let a crisis go to waste. Some NFL teams using 
you know, COVID as, as such. So um, you're seeing this day in and day out as opposed to others. What do you see out there down those lines? That's right. I've got, I've got exclusive access that, that some of, some of those on this show here have not been granted. Um, it's fine. Hey, you know what? We're, we're going to, we're going to write about the bills. We're going to talk about the bills. We ain't going anywhere. So, you know, that, that, that's, what's going to happen here at go along. Yeah. That, that tie done guy, he's, he's bad news. You got to keep, keep him away. Uh, you never know what he's going to dig up. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the passing game in the playoffs, I think is an interesting, an interesting storyline to this team because the number one element that I, I want to see what happens, not just with the bills, but with the rest of the NFL is how much did having nobody in the stands inflate offensive numbers last year? I think without question, it probably aided offenses in some ways. And that's not just true of the Bills. You know, Aaron Rodgers had a great year. A lot of these quarterbacks that had career years or offenses that had career years, you know, when you don't have any crowd noise and you don't have any anybody in the stands, that is a big benefit to the offense. And Josh Allen mentioned that even having the, you know, however many it was in Arrowhead, you know, it was less than half uh, of the stadium. He said, even having that amount of fans you felt it and Cole Beasley said you know guys weren't ready for that moment so I'm not saying they're going to fall apart and crash down to earth and be the 2019 offense again because there's a few more screaming fans in the stands but I do think it's going to have an impact Josh Allen even at home when it's packed and loud he he gets a little overhyped I don't think he gets nervous I don't think he's like peeing down his leg, but I think he's jacked up and, and has trouble reigning in his emotions. So maybe last year was enough for him to have the, the confidence yeah. to push through it. And he got the benefit of developing while not having the crowd noise and now it'll be behind him. But that might be a little bit of when you have crowd noise and you've got teams blitzing, like you mentioned, Tyler, and mixing up the looks that they give you the whole thing gets a lot more confusing. The whole thing gets a lot more hectic. It's a lot harder to spot things pre-snap and identify what the defense is doing to you. So I think that might be the biggest challenge facing this offense throughout the year. And certainly uh, if they have to go on the road and, and play the Chiefs in the playoffs again. I mean, you know, obviously he's, he's worth the money. You had to meet the market he was second in the MVP voting, all of that. I'm not, I'm not arguing that, but that is, that's going to be the question mark now. Like how does he handle the the pressure of a playoff moment, third and eight AFC championship game deep into the fourth quarter, like some quarterbacks that their heart rate, you know, it's going to spike out of control in that moment. I don't think Kirk cousins Monday night football record is, you know, coincidental. Like you talk to people who know Kirk Cousins, they say he gets a little overhyped, like in that kind of moment. It's human nature that, that you're going to have quarterbacks who are overhyped in that moment. You're going to have quarterbacks who aren't like, I mean, Tom Brady's down 28 to three. And I mean, he's in that moment again and again and again, he's calm as can be. I don't know. I just keep coming back to um. We might've even talked about this on a podcast, Jim, but like I listen to Adam Carolla all the time. He has a lot of these UFC fighters on, you know, and boxers on. And here's like the most violent, aggressive sport you know, they're trained to like whoop people's asses. And you would think that they're like, you know, in the locker room or in the dressing room, like listening to heavy metal before they go out there. But they were like the most chill, calm people you'll ever hear. Like when they come on for these interviews with Adam, like they're like the most down earth, like centered, like they're not, they're, their personalities aren't what you'd expect at all. Um, I don't even know if it relates to what we're talking about, but I think as a quarterback, you do kind of have to have that calm in that moment. And that moment is what they're paying Josh Allen now to, to, to win at. Like he's got to meet that moment. He's got to get past it. And we don't know that yet. We're going to find out. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, I look at these contracts and I think I, I don't, go through a checklist and say Josh Allen has to win X number of MVPs and throw X number of touchdowns and win X number of Super Bowls to justify it. I look at it simply as if Josh Allen does what he did last season or something close to it, 
and they're in the mix in that AFC championship game year after year or in the playoffs, making a push, putting themselves in the conversation. That's what you're paying them for. The, the thing about the NFL is it is so hard to win a Super Bowl. Even Patrick Mahomes, you know, he wins a Super Bowl and your people are checking off, you know, how many is he going to win? You know, five, six, seven. It is so hard to do what Tom Brady has done. You know, yeah. look at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? Would anybody say Aaron Rodgers hasn't earned his money uh, because he's only won the one? You know, so a lot of circumstances have to break your way, but it's going to get a lot harder for Bills when those $40 million cap hits kick in. So he's got a couple of years where they'll have the money to surround them with the talent and to really maximize their spending window, not to say that's their championship window, because I think when you pay a quarterback like this, that is your championship window, right? That should be the idea, at least that you're in the conversation, you're in the mix, but in a couple of years, he's going to have to be the quarterback who elevates some guys around him who aren't as high paid, who aren't veterans, who are, you know, rookies and guys thrown in. He's going to have to deal with a little bit of what Aaron Rodgers has dealt with in Green Bay, uh, you know, with maybe an imperfect supporting cast that he's he's not perfectly pleased with. These these weapons we talk about, right? The Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, three of those guys weren't drafted by this team and they're on, you know, pretty big contracts. So eventually he's going to have to be the guy that elevates everybody around him. And I think the way he played last year, he plays like that more often than not. No, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody does it year in, year out um, with the huge numbers. But if he's approaching that and winning playoff games and knocking on the door, the hope would be one of these years yeah. it'll break through and it'll work out and and he gets a Super Bowl. But you know the idea the idea and this is how everybody works when these contracts come out or like I said Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl it's like well how, how many is he going to win can he win three can he win four same as every time a guy wins a golf major it's like well how many is he going to win you know how many is uh, Colin Morikawa going to get. How many is this guy going to get? And still waiting for Roy. I thought Roy McIlroy was supposed to beat Tiger Woods' record right. by now. I don't even know if he's won another. And it's hard. That's the same thing. It's like it's hard to win golf tournaments. Hard. It's hard to win majors. You know, it's hard to win Super Bowls. So he should be one of those quarterbacks that has you in the conversation at the beginning of every season. And if he's not, now that's the flip side of this conversation, right? Talking to Brandon Bean after they signed the deal, and he was mentioning just in passing about structuring the deal. And he said, you know, the cap went back to what, what it was when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff signed their deals a couple of years ago. And I'm walking away from the conversation thinking, man, like, and this isn't anything on Brandon Bean. It was just those names got mentioned. And I thought they're already not on their, those teams that signed them to that, those yeah. deals. So it can happen fast. Those guys signed right before Patrick Mahomes. That's two years you know, difference between when, when they signed and when Josh Allen signed. So it happens really fast if it doesn't go well. Uh, but when it does, you end up in a situation like the Chiefs where regardless of what you have around the guy, you're confident you're going to be in the mix. And it's, you know, there is that, I'm just thinking back to Derek Carr's, the MVP front runner, you know, 2016, Carson Wentz, 2017, late. They were dominant. They seemed unstoppable. I remember, I mean, Jim, you remember that Oakland Buffalo game? Well, it was like, that was Derek Carr every game that season. Like there was just this belief that he injected his teammates with deep into the fourth quarter. He was going to make a play to turn the tide. Um, and they had a bad defense too. But I, And then the magic kind of went poof. It kind of disappears. They probably regretted those contracts. Uh, I feel like Josh yeah. Allen is such a hard worker, like that he's not going to regress. Like he, he'll be his own guy. He's going to, I mean, there's a reason he was like lightly recruited and he goes to Wyoming. He improves his act. He's all bust ass, like even with this deal, but um, it, it does make you wonder, like we, we have seen quarterbacks had the seasons that he's had and then they weren't the same. I think what Matt said was, is a great point to Tyler, as far as the, the bills know they are confident enough. This is, we drafted him. We've seen he's everything we want. We have a five-year window right now. That's how I look at it. I look at these windows. We all know it opened. And honestly, it's going to be a five-year. They got five years to, to 
make it to the Super Bowl. And they know every year with Josh Allen, they have a chance and they've already proven that. So, you know, you got to just, that's the goal now. And to your point, Matt, now expectations are how does Josh handle the expectations? He never had to play under expectations before, really. Wyoming, he didn't have to. Coming out of high school, he never did. I mean, think about some of these guys like Matt Stafford. Stafford was, you know, in Texas, was expected to win a school championship in Texas. He's expected to go to Georgia and win a national championship in Georgia. I mean, those are, he, Stafford only, you know, that's all he knows. Where Allen, this is going to be new for him this year. And how do the Bills fans react at home? Josh has a three interception game. Do they keep it together? You know, it's going to be interesting. Bills fans love their guy. That, yeah, they love That's him. one thing. I've not seen a love affair with a fan base and a quarterback no. quite like this one. It is, and it's in the early stages, right? It's still the honeymoon phase. We're in the honeymoon phase. Yep. Uh, but, but I think it's, it's an, I think that's part of what they love about this guy being that face of, of the program is I don't think I don't envision him changing much uh, to Tyler's point. He worked, he, he loves the process of getting better at quarterback. He, he's a nerd about it. He works a lot. He still has this inferiority complex because of where he came from and constantly feeling like he needs to prove himself, which I always, you know, find borderline unhealthy in some ways it, it, you need it to play quarterback, but it, I, I think about Tom Brady and I think he doesn't seem very well adjusted. Like I think most normal human beings would have hung it up by now and, and stop driving themselves so crazy to get, get the next one. But Josh Allen has a little bit of that to him. He's con he's constantly trying to improve. He's constantly trying to be, you know, what people say he isn't. And I find it interesting that, that Brandon Bean said he pretty much planned for this contract from the moment he picked Josh Allen, like, which I guess you have to, because otherwise you're going to be screwed if, if he ends mm -hmm. up, you know, and you don't pick him up, up at that spot and trade what you trade for him. If you don't think you're going to be paying him this kind of money, but to plan for it in the face of everything that people said when he picked them in the face of everything that was said about him as a rookie to just sit there and say, yeah, we're going to end up paying this guy a lot of money and he's going to be worth it is to have that conviction and to have the plan and have it all, you know, come full circle to where even the salary cap drops and you still have the money to make it work. It's a credit to the planning that they did in that front office from a salary cap standpoint. And it's crazy to think that this contract is so rich it's the richest in, in Buffalo history. The next one was Marcel Darius. The, the, it, that's the record it broke. That's a long gap between contra a contract of this magnitude and the pressure that comes with it. And people celebrate them in the moment, right? People celebrated the Jack Eichel contract in the moment. People celebrate these contracts, even though the money's not going in their bank account. And it comes with a whole different set of expectations and different conversations because it's an albatross on your cap. If, and if he, what he was last year, it, it's, it's not worth it. Matt, uh, can, I got to hit pause on that real quick. Like Marcel Darius just brought back some memories. Sorry, Jim. I, no, I was, I, this is good. I like I, this. I, I, I didn't know that. No, go ahead. I was going to say is Mario Williams the next biggest contract after Marcel because <laughs> your team's yeah. biggest contract should be, if you're doing things right, it better be your quarterback. What was that's that? what you do. That's what you do when you're struggling. You overpay Mario Williams. You overpay Marcel. So you don't want to lose any good players that you have, but at the end of the day, you're not really doing anything until you get the quarterback right. doesn't matter how good those guys are. I mean, Darius was unbelievable in 2014. Like game wrecker. Tackle. Yeah. He, he didn't, he just, his, his talent's off the charts. Everything else is what prevented right. him from being a superstar. But take us behind the scenes though on that real quick, Jim, because I, I remember we were out there. I think yeah. you were there too, Matt, in Detroit, last yeah. preseason game. I remember talking to Darius in the locker room and that's when he said the infamous, uh, they're treating me like I'm a dime a dozen around here. He was pretty pissed off, Jim. You know, he had a snot nose shit reporter like myself kind of like egging him on 
you know, what's the deal with this contract situation? And he puts that out there. What happens behind the scenes when he kind of puts the pressure directly on you, Doug, Terry, pay me. And the regular season's a week away. Holy crap. What's it like to be in your shoes? It was, it was tough because it, it had nothing to do with his talent. So to sit there and everybody's like, of course he, he is deserving of this money based on his talent and production, but the whole team knows players, the coaches, everybody knows you're going to pay this guy. You don't know if he's showing up every day on time for practice in shape, out of shape. Those are a lot of big question marks that you're getting ready to, to pay somebody that kind of money. But at the time to lose a guy like that, when our defense was kind of what we felt so good about because we didn't have the franchise quarterback. So we were kind of, Hey, we have an average quarterback. Our defense better be top five. Like it was, we can't lose guys like Marcel. We can't, you know, we got to keep them somehow, some way. And I'm, you know, guys don't change guys don't change. You know, he, he, he had headaches at Alabama. He had headaches here and all off the field. And Marcel comes from, it's not all Marcel's fault. As oh my we know. God. Yeah. yeah. Know his background. Right. So it's not all his fault, but it's, it's just what it is. They don't change. And yeah, it's hard. If you don't, you're, you you want to pay your quarterback this money. That's what you want to do. A D tackle. I hate to say Aaron Donald, we all know he's whatever unstoppable. I mean, honestly, it's all about Stafford for that team. Like we sit there and talk about Aaron Donald's this great player. Well, they're not going to do anything unless Stafford takes them, you know. So, man, and we'll get back to the more. The, oh, oh, sorry, Matt, go ahead. You get a little more liberal with the money on other spots when you don't, when you're not sitting there like Brandon Bean picks Josh Allen and says, "I am planning to extend this guy in 2021." Right. Like I'm planning, I need to plan for that, and I can't, you know mess around with other stuff and like you said when you don't have that you realize you need to be good in a lot of other places but you're also sitting there saying well we're not paying ej manual anytime soon and that would mean that you know you're not worried about the quarterback contract because it's not there yet you know the the quarterback isn't there you're you're kind of when you're playing that patchwork game at quarterback you you, you kind of have a little bit more to move around and to throw at guys and and it puts more of a spotlight on it too, right? If you lose Marcel Darius when you don't have a quarterback, people say, what are you doing? Well, how could you lose Marcel Darius, this great guy that you picked? If the Bills lose, and they didn't, you know, they were able to get Deion Dawkins, Trey White, Matt Milano all back. But if they lose Matt Milano because it means signing the quarterback, people are all right with it. If, if they have to lose Ed Oliver in a couple of years or – if one of those things happens where it slides through the cracks and a contract situation doesn't work out, they got the important piece. It's magnified tenfold when you don't have that. And you're like, man, we hit on this guy that we picked in the top, you know, five, he's a damn good defensive tackle. He's wrecking games. It's a roll of the dice, right. You know, because of what he is off the field. It's like people are going to see this and, and it's going to hurt our defense. Tyler, we talked about that during free agency with Milano. I, I kept saying, I said, I know we all love Milano. Shit, we drafted him. I was a big fan of him. Happy to see his success. But I said, they don't have to overpay him. Like if you lose Milano, it's going to be okay. You have the quarterback in place. You can replace Milano. You don't want to. I mean, if you can keep him, great. And they did. But you can't, you don't stress about those guys like you used to. And that's such a great point by Matt. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you don't really know what you have going on at quarterback, I mean, it, it's kind of similar to what New England's doing. Um, I mean, they're paying up for all yeah. these other players and just yeah. hoping that Cam Newton and Mac Jones figure it out. I don't think that's a recipe for oh. success, but if you're kind of like stuck in that position, it's it, it's not a bad option. I mean, you'd rather do something. And I, to defend like you and and Doug Whaley, it's like, you know, if Rex Ryan doesn't do what he did schematically with the defense, that was a really good defense. Like if it, it, it did take, you're right. That took a turn for Marcel. That, it, that defense, it, it was a mess. That was a mess to, to get Marcel's talent to match what yeah. Rex wanted to do. I, I remember him dropping into coverage. Was it against Kansas city? You got Marcel Darius dropping into a, a hook zone. I mean, like, like BJ Raji in the NFC championship game, waiting for Kayla. We used to sit, we, so, you know, we're sitting, Willie and I are sitting with Terry, you know, for all the 
games. Like I've told a lot of these stories, but there'd be third downs. The Bethel did. Marcel wasn't really great against the run. He was actually for a big man. He always would just try to jump around guys because he was so agile for that size. He ran a four eight five at three hundred and thirty some pounds. Like you don't find guys like that. He they, he would come running out on third downs, and re- Terry Doug and I would just. I don't know what to tell you. And Marcel's like, what, what's going on? You know, after the games, why are they taking me out there? We don't have any answers for you. Like, it was it was a mess. And Terry really mess. took him under his wing, like, Terry. off the field. He loved Terry. Marcel Darius. I mean, here's a dude that everybody in his life is dying. He doesn't really have anybody. It seemed like the owner of the team really tried to I take him this, under. Terry and Kim, the stuff they do for these players, I don't know how many owners do. And what they even tried to do with Chantrell Henderson was incredible, too. Hmm. They... Terry and Kim have big hearts. They have big hearts. And pockets. Yeah. Well, story I saw Terry's new Forbes. Terry went up to 5.4 billion after that. He when he bought the team, I think he was at four billion. So that that that's turning out pretty well. Matt. Sound a little investment. Investment. <laughs> Those NFL teams. We gotta cobble some funds together here on the, the three of us. Uh, can the three of us get together and <laughs> can we can we make a run? And all right, before we like whip around the division, you know, what else could this season come down to, Matt? Like, we've talked so much about Josh Allen, but is there a, a player, a position, um, something going on with this team that you, you can see the season tipping one way or another or another off of? I think a couple of things. Two spots to me are potential. I mean, you look for any hole on a team like this right because everything as as Jim mentioned at the top you read the training camp reports it's like all smooth sailing right hand them the division now let's just fast forward to the AFC title game and see if they can beat the Chiefs so you kind of look and you say all right this can't all be perfect right there's there's something here the offensive line is interesting to me because Deion Dawkins missed a couple of weeks with COVID he just got activated off the COVID list today this is Thursday, August 12th, we're recording this. But he hasn't stepped on the practice field. To me, a, a man that large having COVID, uh, I'll be interested to see what kind of shape he's in, if he's lost any weight, what it's going to take to get him ready for the season. We know that COVID can have some lingering effects. Let's hope that's not the case for this guy um, because he's as important to that offensive line as anybody. And he is a legit franchise left tackle. And they do not have uh, something close right now behind them. Spencer Brown, the rookie, tons of talent, huge dude, super raw. He's looked it uh, early on, you know, filling in for Dawkins. Bobby Hart is another guy that's gotten thrown in. Oof, I don't know. Don't, don't think he belongs on this team. Tommy Doyle, the fifth rounder, probably more of a right tackle. He's even more raw than, than Spencer Brown is. So, You've got Daryl Williams, you've got Deion Dawkins, two solid tackles. If anything happens to either one, I don't know. What, I really don't know what you do. And, and then you're dealing with, you know, the, the guys protecting your franchise quarterback. They've got a three-way guard competition going on between Cody Ford, John Feliciano, and Ike Butker. Not, you know, not exactly the best situation there to, to me. I mean, three decent options, but not you know, two great ones. John Feliciano lost about 20 pounds and his game is power. Um, So he looks a little quicker, but his game is power. That's a strength of his. So so I don't know if he'll maintain that. Cody Ford has had a a weird start to his career. So he's a bit of an unknown. And Ike Bucker also spent some time on the COVID list and has kind of been kicking the rust off. So I think offensive line, that spot kind of failed them in the AFC championship game and they brought the band back, which is uh, fine because it wasn't a bad group, but it wasn't their strength in in the title game. So that's one. And then two is, is cornerback. You could basically sing the same song. You've got Levi Wallace, who's pretty solid as a number two. The idea going into camp was that he'd be competing with Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson just hasn't been able to, to stack up to Levi Wallace but after those two, you've Cam Lewis, undrafted, Rashad Wild Goose, sixth round pick, rookie. 
and then two undrafted guys in Elijah Griffin and Nick McLeod. Basically, you know, Saran Neal can play a little bit on the boundary too. Um, a guy that's kicked around and, and played inside out, pretty good player. But the depth in the secondary, at corner in particular, safety is pretty much fine. But at corner and at offensive tackle, there are some depth questions, which, I mean, good questions to have, right? Not starting lineup questions, but depth questions. If you get an injury, you know, how do they survive that? Matt, who, who starts uh, in their nickel package at corner? So is it, do they just, who do they bump inside? Well, typically Taron Johnson is, is the guy. And okay. they do use Saran Neal there at time Saran Neal is a guy that can match up on tight ends a bit better than a guy like Taron Johnson, who's a little bit more undersized, but as far as their pure nickel guy, it's Taron Johnson. Everybody remembers him from the, the play in the yeah. Ravens game. But, I remember. Yeah. I remember some other plays, but he's up yeah. and down. I agree. He hurt a lot too. You know, he, he's often hurt. And so then you've got Saran Neal as a backup wild yeah. goose can play the slot. Cam Lewis can play the slot a little bit, but they're really, and last year there was a game where they had, you know, COVID hit the cornerback room and wipe a few guys out for a game. And, and it was trouble in Arizona. So you'd love, look, when you have a team with some, as many superstars and some high profile, high paid players as you have, your depth isn't going to be perfect. So again, we're poking holes in a very good team here. But those are the two spots I wonder about because they're really two spots that cause some problems in the title game. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill had a field day and that Chiefs pass rush. You know, John Feliciano was throwing punches at the end of the AFC championship game. He might have wanted to put up a fight, you know, between the whistles. Uh, probably would have served the team a little bit better. So to me, I, that that unit's got a lot, a, a lot to uh, kind of answer for with how things ended. They've got two great players on their offensive line. Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams, I think is a very good player. If he plays like he did a year ago on a one-year prove it deal, he's got the money now. So we'll see, but the guards, they've got some questions to answer there and they've got some things to figure out and if they're going to, you know, protect this franchise investment to the tune of 258 million that they've got under center. I mean, Matt, how do you, uh, for me going into this um, season, the one thing I'm, paying attention to early, especially even that first game against Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh's offensive lines revamped and not good. I would think the Bills want to see a dominant performance out of this defensive line at some point, because they've shown faith to keep, you know, obviously Jerry's getting older, but I mean, he just plays, he has no, he's always in shape. No, the motor never stops, but are these young guys, are they ready to like, is Oliver going to step up Are these first round you know, the Wake Forest defensive end, the uh, Miami defensive end, and then you have uh, I, the Espenza, uh, I would say his name wrong, but they have so many young guys they've invested in. Are they going to get that return now on the investment with their pass rush? Yeah, they had more money tied up in the defensive line than any team in the NFL last season. And, wow, what a stat and, there. And that did not show itself that's on the field. Stat. That's a now, great stat. They've got star. Now that's money. And then oh, that does star. Yeah. It doesn't really even count at Oliver and AJ Epinesa. Right. Like they're two right. highest they're draft nothing. picks yeah. from 19 and 20. So right. um, they had a lot invested. And then what did they do? They went and drafted one in the first and second round. That's why I'm and asking. They, like they, yeah. they signed FA Obata too. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's looked a lot better. Okay. Um, now, again, Deion Dawkins hasn't been out there. Ike yeah. Butker wasn't there. Feliciano missed some practices. So there's been moving pieces on the offensive line you never know how much of it is you know how great does this defensive line look or is the offensive line figuring things out but Rousseau looks better than I expected this yeah. early like he didn't play football last year everybody thought he was this raw prospect he looks good um Boogie Basham has struggled to crack into the top couple of units uh but you know at the scrimmage last week the open scrimmage he was with the, th the threes at times so, but hey, it's a deep group. You know, yeah. uh, you mentioned Hughes, Addison, Epinesa, F.A. Obata has been like the star of camp. The, the guy's in the backfield all the time. He can play inside out. Um, star is back in the middle. They hope that that frees things up for Ed Oliver. So yeah, yeah. that is a question. You know, the pass rush couldn't get to Mahomes. Maybe that caused some of the problems 
in the title game, but they, I give them credit for not necessarily sitting still just because they'd thrown some money at it. They kept, they kept going and they weren't afraid to go. A lot of people talk about best player available, but Brandon Bean actually did it in the second round because he's like, we didn't think we were going to take two DNs, but Basham was sitting there. So we kind of felt like we had to, he was sticking out on our board and um, you know, the, the best player available thing actually came true. So yeah, they better hope uh, to me. I've said this on, forget who, who I was saying it to, but a lot of pressure on Eric Washington, the defensive line coach to get something out of these guys and Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, the guys scheming defense to get that return on investment that you talk about, because it is a significant investment and they might keep, I don't oh, know, yeah. nine, 10 of these guys. I mean, they, they have a deep defensive line and it's going to be hard to cut some of them, you know, we're still Vernon Butler is another one that we didn't mention. They paid good money to like, there's a lot of money tied up in this defensive line, a lot of draft picks and that's where the game is won sometimes. So they better hope they get, they get some uh, good play out of them and they look pretty good so far. Yeah. I mean, if we're nitpicking, it's like we held them back in that AFC championship game. They, they, they couldn't get after Patrick Mahomes and their line was eh. and what has really changed since then. I mean, they didn't pay up for, Hmm. Bud Dupree, a unique Ngakwe, a Matt Jude. I mean, there were a lot of pass rushers they could have thrown money at at the expense of a Matt Milano. But um, they just, you're right, they just bring on all these draft picks. Obata, we'll see what happens. I think it, they kind of, and I'd love to your take on this, Matt. Like, aren't the Bills kind of entering this next phase as an organization where you pay the quarterback, you better start nailing on these draft picks you better start nailing some of these free agents you're getting in that second and third tier because you can't just throw money around at the mario addison's of the world and overpay they've been overpaying because they've been able to now you can't i mean that's why we had that story on damar hamlin here here's a sixth round pick at a safe safety position where they've got two safeties but at some point hide and poyer they're not gonna be there forever you need somebody like that to step up and that's where the bills we're gonna find out if this is just like this this short window of opportunity that's going to pass because they can't do much around Josh Allen because they can't draft well, or they can draft really well and they can reset the roster a lot like Seattle after they paid Russell Wilson, they're, they're competing every year because they draft so well, we're going to find out a lot. And it's, that's when the pressure is kind of on people in the front office, right? Yeah. I think it's, I, I think about it too. You know, a lot of people think, man, they got to hit on Rousseau and, and Basham. And that's true. You'd hope that they hit on Rousseau and Basham. But I think about it like if the 21 Bills are going to have, you know, success, look a couple years in the rearview mirror at who they picked. You want the development to be happening, right? You want Ed Oliver, your top 10 pick, to play like a top 10 pick. If, if Greg Rousseau doesn't provide you instant impact, that doesn't that's not an indictment on him as a player yet, right? You give him a year or two to, to turn that corner. It's yeah. the, a Saran Neal, a Taron Johnson, an Ed Oliver, an AJ Epinesa, guys that you picked, finding a gem somewhere, uh, you know, find, getting, especially on that rookie deal. Heck, you could even say Tremaine Edmonds, uh, throw him in while he's still mildly affordable. Having the development happen and not simply throwing money at your problems, which is not a criticism of the bills because they had the money to do it. They planned appropriately and they almost their entire offensive line was they threw money at, you know, they drafted Deion Dawkins, they drafted Cody Ford. They don't know what they have yet, but that's another one, right? We talk about the questions on the offensive line. If Cody Ford is a, is what you want in the second round, you shouldn't have a problem plugging him in and getting good guard play out of him. Uh, same goes at cornerback. You know, if Taron Johnson keeps playing the way he did in the playoffs, Levi Wallace was undrafted. They're kind of, and Jim can speak to this, you know, Sean's days as a defensive backs guy. He thinks he can, not a, you know, every, every undrafted, every six round guy. So really Tredavious White is the highest investment they've made at corner. They haven't gone that high. Uh, lately but it's a good point Tyler because they're in a couple years where they can still spend you know somewhat freely here but after that you better hope that the draft picks are developing and giving you some cheap good productive years so because you can't 
You can't afford Mario Addison, Mitch Morrison, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders all at once. You have to pick your spots with that a lot more carefully and hope that you have, to your Seattle point, you know, a Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf come along to give you the boost, the cheap boost, um, you know, in other spots. Well said. I hear, uh, I hear a crying baby on your end. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a crying baby and good in ambient noise. Here. Yeah, it is. It's, but we, uh, we got to whip around the division here quick before we sign off. Uh, anybody scared Buffalo here? I mean, is, is it a landslide AFC East divisional champs again, or, or can you make the case for somebody else in this division? I New England would be the one team, you know, Bill Belichick's always got a plan. He's no, he's no dummy. He's no slouch and he's making do with what he can right now. Right. To your point earlier, Tyler, it's not exactly the model throw all this money around in free agency and get by with a Cam Newton, Mac Jones quarterback competition, but he's got a plan with the two tight ends with the defensive line that he built. He, he, I would think that that game at the end of the year when the Bills put a whooping on the Patriots and Josh Allen lit them up, stuck with Bill Belichick because he, he, he's seen that guy a lot. He's given Josh Allen fits, but Josh Allen got him and he now has a defense and players that could give the Bills some problems. Can they put it together for a whole season against everybody else enough to beat the Bills? I'm not totally sure. The Jets, I think, are a couple years away at best. You know, Zach Wilson, he may end up being a great quarterback, but it's going to be, you know, it, it should be a similar trajectory to what the Bills had with Josh Allen. They should expect some bumps in the road early on, uh, and they're going to have to be a little bit patient. The Dolphins should, you know, based on their rebuilding path, this should be a competitive team, a team that can push the Bills, but something about them that, I mean, the Bills have owned them. The Bills ran backups out against them at the end of last year and kicked their ass. So I just, Josh Allen has crushed that team. Even when the Dolphins have good defenses, Josh Allen has lit them up. They don't, to me, they shouldn't scare scare the Bills unless Tua takes a real sharp turn and, and becomes a big-time quarterback. To me, the Patriots are the only strikes the fear, and it's, it's probably some PTSD for Bills fans, right? They're, they're used to Bill Belichick striking the fear of God in them, and uh, and he's earned that respect. So, But I think the Bills are betting favorites for a reason. It's hard to see one of these other teams putting it together against them. Jim? Yeah, I'm with Matt on that. The one thing about the Patriots that there's – I always want to write them off because Cam, I just – he's not Cam, and Mac Jones is average to me. But – they won seven games last year, and that was a horrible roster. So to Matt's point, uh, you got to factor the Patriots in. I agree. You can't – don't think for a second. I agree, Matt. They've spent this whole offseason. There's no way they're not having a plan to at least compete. You know, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be good enough to win this division, but I agree. I think the Patriots are the team you need to pay attention to, and it just starts a quarterback for them. And just watch Cam is how he looked. They're still not going to beat Buffalo, I don't think. And McDermott does not like Cam Newton. I promise you, he will do whatever it takes to not lose to Cam Newton. But he was, I was one of his I players agree. once upon a time. Cam Newton was a uh, a Carolina Panther. In the Super Bowl. That's why he has a job. That's why he has a head coaching yeah. job because of Cam Newton. It's surprising that he wouldn't like Cam Newton that much. And some and some other guys that got him the interview. But um, um, we can go the, there. The Dolphins. Hey. The Dolphins. I'm with Matt a little bit on Miami. I'm, I'm not a Tua guy, but I don't want to write him off yet. Um, but until we see Tua take that step or Zach Wilson take that step, I just don't think those teams are going to really compete with Buffalo. Isn't it crazy? We were just I talking about New the 49 could knock them. Sorry. Give them one. I feel like New England could give them, yeah. give them, split yeah. the series, yeah. you know, yeah. and Belichick might shut Josh Allen down one, one game, maybe we'll a prime yeah, time yeah, yeah, game yeah. on national TV. Yeah. They'll have a good plan. I like the guys that he signed. I just don't know if, you know, Bill Belichick's probably spent a lot of time figuring out what went wrong against Josh Allen and how to beat the team in his division, right? The the big dogs in his division, what people did for to them for years, trying to build a team to beat him. 
But the question is, like, does the offense and does everything else translate into a team that can win 12, 13, 14 games and take a division? I'll believe it when I see it. Newton maybe will be better, right, with a year in the system. His arm didn't look right last year. I don't know if it'll be back, you know, at all. No. I don't know. We'll have to dial up our old pal Mike Rodak to get the inside scoop on this Mac <laughs> Jones guy. But yes. um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of with Jim. You know, he just gave off an air of being somewhat of an average prospect, uh, elevated by those around him at Bama. But I don't know. He, Bill Belichick's gotten some some pretty good performances out of out of lesser quarterbacks. So we'll see what he's got what he's got up his sleeve. It, it's weird to think like. We maybe have seen the last of, of Bill Belichick being that guy that you need to be super terrified of, but maybe we haven't, right? He's got one last trick up his sleeve. I think uh, Mac Jones should talk to Marcel Darius and maybe steal that nickname, Dime a Dozen Mac Jones. I think we've seen Mac Jones before, right? I mean, we've we've seen him around. It's, it is pretty wild, though. I mean, we had um, John Middlecoff on last week talking nfc west and you know the 49ers with trey lance it, it seems like they were kind of like chasing their next josh Allen. they got their asses kicked by the bills on monday night football and they they wanted their own freak of a quarterback to try to do something creatively and the patriots they got their butts kicked on national tv i think that was they both were monday night football right yeah yeah they were definitely both national tv i forget if it was monday the days bleed yeah. together they do days run away like wild horses over the hills. You know how it is, especially when you have uh, infants, right? And they just they just blend together. But their their answer was like, you know, Belichick could have done what San Francisco did. They could have thrown all the first round picks all over the place to try to chase one of these guys, but they they instead attacked like Josh Allen on the Bills via free agency, I guess, and spending like crazy. And they're gonna try to rebuild this defense up, stop them. We'll we'll see which way kind of works here but it's, it's fascinating to see the bills the bill you know a team that missed the playoffs for two decades they're dictating now like <laughs> like teams are reacting to josh allen and the bills it, it's kind of strange to still wrap your head around it's a credit to dable too i i told you teams are all studying the bills offense hard like how yeah. to slow this offense down so it, it's a credit to dable too that's a good spot, fellas. Man, Matt, great to have you. Thanks so much for uh, hitting pause on life, on your son, on the athletic, to bullshit, little Bills, little AFC East with us. Great to see you. Oh, it's great to see you guys. We'll have to we'll have to get out on that that beautiful deck of yours at some point soon. Uh, well, whether it's this deck crafted, or uh, maybe, you... <laughs> maybe it's training camp too. Maybe it's Bills practice. I see you next. So. <laughs> That'd be great. I don't know I think, about that. I, I somehow I doubt that. <laughs> I think Matt should. I think we should all meet at Hamburg Brewing. That's what we got to do. Let's make that happen. I think our wives would would all understand. You know the the power of of the collective here. If yeah. if we kind of just tell, we'll bring our wives them along. Unis- a little little play date. Let's bring them. Let's, let's just bring all the families. Let's do it. Beautiful. All right. Well, we're brought to you by Hamburg Brewing Company. And that's where we're going next to do this. We'll see you there, fellas. Thanks so much.